right, this morning we are continuing in the Gospel of Luke as it was just read, and um, it's a well-known story, and it has a word for each of us this morning, uh, Christ's call for each of us to join him in his catch. Let me briefly open in a word of prayer. Oh, Jesus, this morning would we hear your words and take you at your word to follow you in your great calling to your incredible catch. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Now, this is a story that, frankly, I wish that I could forget. A few years ago, uh, some friends of mine were in Florida, and we decided, was not my idea, but we decided to go deep sea fishing. Um, I grew up in Florida, which means I've been around the ocean lots. So you might think that I would be at home on the, on the boats and around water, but it turns out I'm a landlubber at heart. Uh, that particular day, it was beautiful out, sunny, not too hot, but there was just a little bit of chop. And on the way out, you had to go about an hour out to the spot where the uh, boat, the captain we hired said we could catch fish and started to feel a little queasy along the way. And things just kept getting worse and worse. And by the time the rods and reels were out, my only contribution was a little chum in the water, if you get my drift. <laughs> Uh, that was not a very fun fishing expedition for me. Thankfully, they did catch dinner. And even though it felt like a futile exercise in the end of the day, we caught some fish. Now, our text this morning, whether you were a landlubber like me or someone who dreams of the open ocean, it, it gives us a compelling image of Jesus on a fishing expedition. Uh, not a fishing trip with Nets and bait and rods and reels. No, a very different type of fishing. A fishing for souls. And as it turns out, we'll see together that there's about to be a great catch, an incredible catch, that each of us are called to join him in. Well, that's what we'll see this morning. An incredible miracle with a bunch of fish. An incredible calling for us to join Jesus on the path to discipleship. Uh, we'll move through the passage in two sections. Uh, first, in 1 through 7, we'll see what a catch. Great miracle, fish that are caught. And then in 8 through 11, what a call. We'll hear the call of Christ for us to join him in his incredible catch. I hope by the end you'll be convinced that Jesus has called you to join him in his incredible catch. Uh, let's begin in that first section, 1 through 7. What a catch. Uh, at this point in Luke's gospel, we've been following Jesus around through the Judean countryside. He, he is an increasingly popular itinerant preacher. Uh, well, on this occasion, we find him taking a day at the lake. Verse 1, we're told, a crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, and he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Uh, the popularity has brought the crowds pressing in on Jesus. They're, they're hungry to hear the word of God, so hungry that they follow him down by the shoreline. Uh, we're told it's the Lake of Gennesaret. Um, that tells us the setting. Uh, this is what's more commonly called the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the Judean economy, the Sea of Galilee was really, really important. Uh, it's a big lake. It has lots of fish in it, and that means that there's opportunity to make a living if you know what you're doing. Uh, fishermen would spend their nights out on the lake casting their nets to try and catch schools of fish 
that they could turn around and sell. And remember, they were an agrarian society. So to have something like fish to sell, that, that you can make quite a good living doing that. Well, well, Jesus on this morning's walking along with his crowd in tow, and we're told that there were fishermen out there and that they were tending to their nets. Uh, you see, uh, you would spend all night fishing, but then your work wasn't done when the sun came up. Uh, even if you had a, a catch to take to market, you still had the work of preparing your nets for the next day. Uh, that required very careful attention to repair anything that was broken. Uh, it also impart, it required backbreaking labor. The, those ropes of the nets got very, very heavy. They had to be laid out and dried very carefully. And only after hours of work could they be put back in the boat and be ready for the next day of work. So, so that's the scene. A group of people hungry for the word of God. A group of fishermen getting ready for another day, a night of fishing after a, a night on the lake. And Jesus, what's he going to do? Well, we see what he does in verse 3. It's a little bit odd. Jesus hops in one of the boats. Uh, it turns out he knows the guy who owns the boat. It's our friend Simon. The last scene in chapter 4, Simon was the homeowner that hosted Jesus as he did a whole series of miracles in an incredible night of ministry. Well, at this point, Jesus takes the liberty of hopping in Simon's boat, and he asks him a very unusual favor. He said, Simon... Could you help me out? Uh, could you give me a, a little bit of aquatic amplification? Uh, could you turn your boat into a floating pulpit for me? He asked Simon to push the boat out under the water and then to use the echo effect off the top of the lake so that the whole crowd could hear him. Now, I have to think that because of that established relationship, maybe Simon decided to humor him. They set out and Jesus preaches from the boat to the listening crowd. Now, it's interesting. Luke doesn't tell us any of the sermon that Jesus preaches. I'm sure it was a riveting sermon, but that's not the point of all this. The important part is what happens after Jesus is done preaching, because he has a second request for Simon, and this one is even a taller order than the first. Look what he says in verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Uh, Jesus, after he's done delivering his powerful words, he, he gives an odd word to Simon. Simon, those nets that you just spent hours and hours manicuring and drying and that you spent all that energy getting back into the boat, I want you to, to toss them into the lake. Consider what Simon's being asked to do at this moment. He's being asked at minimum to risk a whole morning's worth of work. There's also a, a level of disrespect happening here. I mean, think about it. Simon is a fisherman by trade. He knows the best time to fish is at night. That's established. The fish don't like the bright light. Now, are preachers telling him what to do? Uh, it'd be a bit like... Uh, a neighbor I have on our block, she is a master gardener. Uh, as you might anticipate, her flower beds and her lawn and her trees, they are immaculate. Her flowers pop every spring. Now, she's very friendly, so we know her well enough that we could talk, but imagine one day, as my family and I are walking by, if we stopped as she's in her flower bed doing some gardening, if we stopped and said, uh, 
hey, you know, it looks to me like your roses could use some extra pine needles. Um, I did some Googling about what's good for rose bushes, and I read that pine needles are good. I've got some pine needles. You want me to bring them over? I'll just put them on top. What do you think? Now, she would be forgiven for saying, you know what? Get off my lawn. What do you know about gardening compared to me, a master gardener, right? If you're an expert in something, you don't need advice from someone. It's not even their business. Peter has to get over that little bit of disrespect. There's also, though, here a level where Peter has been maybe beginning deep inside his heart to wonder, is there something special about this guy? Why did he do that miracle to heal my mother-in-law? What, what did I really witness as he cast out devils and diseases by the dozen in my very house? What if he knows something I don't? Uh, there's a, a little bit of a war going on inside Peter's heart. Uh, on one side, there are the feelings of his heart, of futility. But on the other side, there is the ballast of faith. Uh, look at the way that Peter responds. He tells Jesus how tall of an order it is. Master, we've to toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will set down the nets. Okay, Jesus, because you asked, even though it feels futile, I'll, I'll throw in the nets and see what happens. So he does. He tosses the nets in the water. And then it happens. Uh, at first, maybe the boat started rocking a little bit and the rope started creaking. And then pretty soon, it became obvious. There were fish, lots and lots of fish. Uh, so many fish that the nets couldn't handle it, they start breaking. Uh, so many fish that the boat wasn't equipped for it. So they called ashore for the second boat to come help. And so many fish that even the two boats start sinking under the weight of so, so many fish. What a catch. It is a flat out miracle. Now it's not clear if Jesus did an Aquaman here and told the fish where to be, or if he just used some supernatural knowledge to know exactly where the nets needed to go. No matter how it happens, the results are the same. This is Christ's catch, and they are all witnesses to it. Now, this amazing, incredible miracle is here for us, in a sense, even though we're not on a boat and we don't have any nets. Each of us are being asked the same question, will we take Jesus at his word? Uh, when it feels futile to obey the things that he says, will we trust the ballast of faith in our heart? Will we take Jesus at his word? Uh, consider when Jesus tells you not to store up treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal and wars break out and make everything insecure, but instead to store up treasures in heaven. It takes faith to obey that command, doesn't it? When the choice is between putting that money into something for yourself or investing in something with eternal dividends. It, it takes faith to take Jesus at his word. Uh, what about when someone does something harmful to you and Jesus tells you you need to forgive them, not, not just once, 
But 70 times seven times. Uh, it feels futile to forgive in that scenario, doesn't it? I mean, aren't they just going to keep on hurting you and getting away with it? It takes faith to take him at his word and release that debt and to forgive as you have been forgiven. Or, or what about on Mess With Your Clock Sunday? When you wake up and your eyes are a little heavier than they ought to be and your body groans just a little more than it did last Sunday and your flesh is telling you it's futile to get up and go to church. Uh, this, just this one Sunday, you don't need to obey Christ's command to not forsake the gathering together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It takes faith to fight the flesh and to make your way to church to be a part of worship, to trust at Jesus' word that this is for your good and for his glory. Uh, brothers and sisters, each and every day, this same dynamic is going on in each of our hearts. The words of Jesus are asking us, well, will we trust our feelings, even when it feels futile, or will we take Jesus at his word? Uh, Peter gives us a great example of faith, but but really, this isn't the, the main point of it all. The, this incredible catch that happens is set up for something even more incredible. What a call. What a call, verses 8 through 11. Now, Peter's reaction to this great catch is not what you would expect. Uh, you might think he might stand there with his m mouth wide open in stunned silence when it just happened. Or you might think maybe the Peter the businessman might have his wheels and his head start turning and say, hey, Jesus, I think you might be able to do that again. We could make some money. But that's not how Peter reacts, is it? Uh, look what he does in verse 8. But when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter breaks down and falls down and begs Jesus to leave him. Why would a man who just met, witnessed an incredible catch of miraculous proportions do that? Well, the second part of what he said reveals it. Peter realizes his sinfulness in the presence of the holiness of Jesus. Uh, there's a pattern running through your Bible of encounters with a holy God that terrify sinners. Uh, sinful people that somehow or the other find themselves in the presence of a perfect, just, and pure God who in that moment realize this is not the place they want to be. Uh, you can think of the people of Israel as they gathered to Mount Sinai for the great meeting with God they had been promised. God appeared to them in thunder and lightning upon the top of the mountain, and then they heard these booming words come down from it. And their reaction was utter terror. They told Moses, Moses, tell him to stop talking to us. You go talk to him, but don't let us near him, otherwise we will die. The same thing happened to the prophet Isaiah when he was given a vision of the very throne room of God. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. And then he realized the terror of his guilt. He declared, woe is me for 
I am a man of unclean lips. I am from a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. It's a terrifying thing for a sinner to be face to face with the holy God who made us all. And one day will judge us all. Uh, That's because if God's character of justice and holiness were to be acted out to its fullest, when a sinner enters his presence, what we deserve is immediate and total uh, judgment. We would be utterly destroyed. Now, I don't think Peter understood fully what it was he was feeling in that moment. He doesn't know the reality of the incarnation of Jesus and that he is both God and man in human flesh. And yet Peter has seen enough to know that in some sense, the power of God is in Jesus. And when he stands next to Jesus, he's closer to God than he's comfortable being. Now you might think that at this moment, Jesus would take Peter up on that offer and depart from him. Or that he might launch into the list of things that Peter needs to do to clean up his act in order for him to stand next to him. But that's not what Jesus does. Instead, he speaks a word of comfort and a word of calling. Uh, His word of comfort. uh, Before Jesus speaks, there's this little bit where it mentions other people are watching. But it's as if that's just background noise. All that matters is what Jesus is saying to Peter. He said to him, verse 9, sorry, I lost my place here. Uh, Verse 9, for he and all who were with him had astonished at the cats or the fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. He gives him a word of comfort. Uh, he does, it's not as if Jesus doesn't know what Peter has said is true. He understands Peter's a sinful man. He knows that better than anyone. He also knows that one day he will die for Peter's sins. But for now, it's enough for Peter to be assured and to be close to Jesus. So he tenderly tells him, fear not. You don't need me to go away. In fact, you need to stay close to me. But then the second word he gives him is one of calling. He tells him, there's going to be a switch of jobs you're going to have, Peter. Now you're going to be fishing for people. Jesus is a master teacher, and he knows the power of an object lesson. Uh, It turns out this incredible, miraculous catch is all just a picture so that Peter can understand the new job Jesus has for him. Uh, Instead of using rods and reels and nets to bring in fish, Peter's instead going to use words to catch people. Now, the word that's used there, he'll be catching men, it's intentionally uh, a word that's both men and women. It's like using the word mankind. It's everyone. Uh, This is a calling for Peter to become an evangelist to all kinds of people. And as it turns out, Peter, however good of a fisherman he was, was an even better fisher for souls of men. Uh, He will bring people into the kingdom of God by the thousands, boatloads of them. As the Holy Spirit empowers him and in boldness, he stands up and proclaims the gospel of Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, this is a great calling. Who could refuse 
a very invitation from Jesus himself to be a part of his great catch. Catch not of fish, but of the souls of men. Well, we see that Peter and his friends, they take Jesus up on his offer. Verse 11, when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. As little as they understand, this much they know. They're going to take Jesus at his word. And they're going to join him in this incredible call to his catch. So they leave it all behind and they follow him in faith. Now, brothers and sisters, there is a word here for us as Castleton Community Church this morning. Even though we are not on the boat with Jesus in the middle of a a lake after a miraculous catch, each of us have also been called to be a part of this incredible calling to catch people for Jesus. Uh, We have a core value as a church. It's called sharing the gospel everywhere. I'm going to read the text of it. We as a church believe this. Uh, We believe that every Christian is called to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God by proclaiming the good news of the gospel to those who have not yet believed. So we share the gospel here in Indianapolis, and we work to share the gospel around the world in Thailand and India and in places where so, so few people have ever heard the name of Jesus. Now, as soon as we hear that we're all called to this, there's a a set of feelings that dwell up inside us, isn't there? Uh, Feelings of futility. Uh, We know that we're sinful people. We know we're not qualified to be God's ambassadors on this world. And and we know we're, we know from past experience, we're maybe even not all that skilled at this work of fishing for people. And yet, we have a uh, question we have to answer. Will we take Jesus at his word? Will we trust that the one who called us to this great catch has the ability to give us the resources needed to haul it in? It's been well said that Jesus does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Uh, He's in the business of taking taking people who know they are sinners, who know they are inadequate, and displaying his power through them in the midst of their inadequacy. Uh, Maybe you've had a a long list of attempts to evangelize that you remember every time you hear an evangelistic sermon. I remember that time I tried to talk about the gospel with my neighbor, and he got angry with me and told me he never wanted to hear about it again. I, I remember how it strained my relationship with my coworker when I brought it up. I remember the objection that someone gave me And I didn't have the right answer in that moment. And I just can't stop thinking about it. We have all these things that go through our head. We need to remember it's Christ's catch that we're called to participate in. Uh, He's the one who gets all the glory if someone gets saved. And he's the only one that can make the fish, fish be there for that nets to catch. We need to trust him. That whether we cast down our nets dozens of times and don't catch anything, or whether we're bringing them in by the boatful each and every time, that he has a purpose in having us cast down our nets each time we do it. So brothers and sisters, don't lose heart. 
when it gets difficult, when it feels like the fish aren't biting. Remember, Jesus has called you to be a part of his call to fish for men. Uh, let's remember also that this is something that you don't have to do alone. Uh, you can go fishing on fishing expeditions together. It is such an encouraging thing to have other brothers and sisters in Christ that are doing this same activity, trusting the Lord, taking him at his word, and holding out the gospel of Jesus, hoping that they might bring some people in to the kingdom of God. A couple of ways we do this as a church. We, I already mentioned ESL to you. Um, that's staffed by our members. It's a, an effort to reach people in our community with the gospel of Jesus. And uh, whether you, serving in ESL is uh, something for you to do or not, one thing you could certainly do is you could pray. Every Monday evening, there's a group of over a dozen people, most of them are not Christians, inside our church building for the purpose that they might hear the gospel of Jesus. Could you pray that the Lord who called us to the catch might let us haul in a boat full of them? That we might have a story of, that's incredible of the way Christ did a miracle in front of our eyes and someone was saved out of the gloomy waters of sin and judgment into the wonderful light of the kingdom of God. Uh, one particular date you can put down, April 11th, They've invited me to come down and um, explain the Easter holiday in an evangelistic sort of message. And uh, people are interested in Christian holidays. It's a great way to introduce them to the story of the gospel. You could pray that I would be clear, and you could pray most of all that Christ would give us a catch. Another way you can do that, coming up we have something called Week of Wonder. Um, it is an evangelistic outreach that we do for children. And all of you can be a part of this fishing expedition. You can go out and to stretch the analogy further than it's intended to go, you can go pick up some bait. Um, we have invitations that you can put in the hands of a family that does not know Jesus themselves. And you can tell them, hey, there's this free program. It's going to happen. It's a week long in the mornings. Would you, would you let your kids come to it? And the whole program is designed to introduce kids to Jesus. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's a great opportunity to do some fishing together. Um, now, one way you can participate in this is handing out these invite cards. Another way is we need volunteers. And in a couple of weeks, Jenny Johnson is going to uh, get up and um, tell you the different roles we need volunteers for. So be ready for, for that and be praying if the Lord would call you to come on this particular fishing expedition. Now, no matter what form it takes, we need to remember this basic part of our discipleship. To follow Jesus is to take part in the calling of those who are to be catching people. Uh, we are to be evangelizing with the gospel of Jesus. And if you find yourself in a spot where you have honestly not, in some sense, shared the gospel with anyone in a long time, that might be something you and the Lord need to talk about. Maybe while we're taking communion, you spend a, a minute or two reflecting on opportunities that you've had or opportunities he might give you, how you can share the gospel in the week ahead. Uh, it's a calling for each of us individually. It's a calling for us together as a church. And brothers and sisters, the good news is that when someone is saved, 
we don't just catch and release them. We get to keep them. They become a part of us as the body of Christ. They become one of us as brothers and sisters in the family of God. We need stories of people coming to Christ to, to keep ourselves motivated. Uh, over the pandemic, the Lord gave us one of those stories. It's so encouraging. Our dear brother Tyler, who's not someone that regularly went to church, he was working at a job, and one of our church members befriended him, invited him to come to our church gatherings Sunday morning, even helped him to get here with a ride. Week after week, he heard the gospel preached, and through the witness of this member of our church, he understood more and more of it, and then one day, it clicked. He wasn't in the water anymore. He had been hauled up, and he was on the boat now. Tyler put his faith in Jesus, and he was baptized, and we heard his testimony, and now he's a member of our church. Don't you want to hear more stories like that? We should long for the Lord to give us an incredible catch of souls. And we can't control it, but we could be faithful to take Jesus at his word, to cast our nets again and again with the hope that maybe, just maybe, we'll see Jesus do a miracle in front of our very eyes. Now that fishing expedition that I wish I could forget, it was pretty futile feeling for me. Even though we caught fish, it felt pretty fruitless. That is until the ride back. While I was trying to keep what was left of my lunch down, I happened to be close enough to where the captain of the boat was driving to overhear one of my friends talking with him. And they were talking at first about catching fish and how all that was going and what it was like to be out in the ocean all the time. And then my friend turned the corner started talking about Jesus. And I heard him talk for about half an hour, a deep gospel conversation, trying to reel in another one for Jesus. Uh, brothers and sisters, I, I don't know who the Lord will have near you in the reach of your nets in the week ahead. But I do know this. If you will take Jesus at his word, if you'll cast your net into the water again, you'll find your faith was not fruitless. And maybe, just maybe, you'll see another soul caught up into the kingdom of God. Let's pray.